Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. It's a good day to be in the house. We're celebrating a lot of the women in this house. We're really just celebrating moms. And I know that there's a lot of people who come in on a Sunday like this. And maybe you don't feel like there's much to celebrate. But you know what? God purposed you, every single one of us. We were born from a mother's womb. And we have someone to be grateful to. And that is him. That is Jesus. That is God, the author of our lives. And he has something to accomplish here today, Mother's Day. But before I go into that, I wanted to welcome all women in the place. You know that the church is made up of about half women, sometimes more. And so because of that, we have things like glow and we have a sister's night. Somebody say sister's night. Just like that one more time, sister's night. And you are all invited in a couple of weeks. It's a Friday night. It's an opportunity for you to grow in community with other women. We don't need the feminist spirit in our church. We need a Holy Ghost women who are loving each other, edifying one another in the name of the Lord. Amen. So come out to that in a couple of Fridays. And then next week, we're going to continue our Genesis series. Um, this is the last day of the relationship series. But we are going to go back into Genesis. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we go... Um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse through different books. Um, Genesis is really long, so we're kind of going chapter by chapter, kind of theming it out. But the next four weeks in Genesis, we're going to be going over the life of Joseph. So you're not going to want to miss it. So I'll see you here next week. But today, I'm going to be closing up the series, Let Me Love You. Let me love you. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Any Biebs fans in the place? Just me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You went to the con. Okay, anyway. So I'm excited to close up the series. It's been a relationship series, and I'm telling you, we have been hearing feedback that it is life-changing. How many people know that relationships build the kingdom of God? Relationships are what many live for. The relationships are the only thing that you can take to heaven. All right, so it's important that we do it well here on earth. We've talked about everything from purity, intimacy, sex, communication, marriage, singleness, um, a lot of great things. But there's one thing that I want us to talk about today, and it's really the common denominator in every single relationship. Okay, the common denominator in every single relationship. Think about the relationships that you have with your spouse, with your children, with your coworkers, with your boss, with your parents. You might be thinking, communication, that's the real, that, that's a real good word. You know, communication makes, you know, it, it's important. Well, that's not what I want to talk about today. And you might be thinking, oh, maybe it's connection. All relationships are connecting you, right? Well, it's actually not connection because how many people know that sometimes communication and connection aren't happening in relationships, right? And we're saying that we're in relationships, but what typically allows people to not walk in communication or connection is another word that begins with C, and it's a common denominator in every single relationship, and that is conflict, You ready to talk about conflict today? Conflict, every single relationship experiences it. Conflict and relationships are inevitable. And we tell every couple that is about to get married, when Caleb and I are are do premarital counseling with them, we let them know that 
Conflict is a price that you pay for a deepening level of intimacy. And I want you to think about that for a second. Conflict is the price you pay. I want you to think about the struggles that you walk through, the things that you've, hard times that you've walked through in your life, in your faith journey, and how many people know that conflict oftentimes is the price we pay for a deepening intimacy with the Lord when it gets us through those struggles. So in the same way that it deepens our relationship with God, conflicts and the storms and the trials and the things that he gets us through, we also understand that there's a deepening level of intimacy when we have conflict with one another. So we need to rejoice in our trials because we have an opportunity to grow closer in our connection, improve our communication and give God glory in our relationships. But you're like, really, conflict? Yes, conflict. Conflict. Are you excited? Are you excited about this? How many people in your relationships, when you're in conflict, do you start just kind of going in circles in the conversation? And maybe the conversation gets heated. Maybe it gets into like loud noises. Maybe some things are thrown. I don't know. I don't know about you, but that may have happened in my marriage <clears throat> slash life. So I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes you go in circles and do you ever get to a point where you're just like, what are you even saying? Right? Have you ever said that to your partner? Said that to your kid? <laughs> what are you even saying? And that is the title of my message today. What are you even saying? Because I said this a couple of weeks ago, but something is always communicated. And if it's not communicated, um, what is and isn't is communicated, is interpreted. And oftentimes what's interpreted is wrong. So it's important for us to understand what are we even saying? Because sometimes, how many people know that if somebody's saying words, sometimes it doesn't match up with their heart. Some, but then again, we can't determine the heart of people, but we understand that a lot of behaviors don't line up with what people are saying. You experience that in your relationships? When people are saying this, that, and the other, and it's like, wait, but your behaviors are showing this, that, and the other, and then you're left confused, and that is a major conflict, and we have to get down to the, to the heart of the matter because the heart is going to determine what you are saying. It's so important to know what we're communicating in conflict. Communication and what is said is so important. Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, somebody say said. If God said something, then what we see happening in Genesis is that the world and our lives are put into existence. He creates by his mere words. Isn't that amazing? That is the God we serve. If you don't get anything from this, just understand that God with just a word, he is the word, the word is life, and he brings life just by the power of his voice. By using his words, and by saying he shaped this whole world. He shaped this whole universe. So in the same way God created a world shaped by his words, our words are shaping our worlds. And our worlds are oftentimes, not oftentimes, all times, revolved around relationships, right? I want you to understand today that your words are creating the life that you're living in, the atmosphere that you're walking in, the mindset that you are walking in, the relationships that you're walking in are all cultivated by your words. It says this in Proverbs 
18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life. Death and life, which means that bad things can be produced and people will eat bad things because your tongue is bringing death. Or people will eat fruits and it'll bring life to them. You know, it's so interesting, the tongue. You know, something so small can impact so much of our worlds. I think about Charlie this weekend. Um, Charlie's my eight-year-old. I have two other sons that are older than her, and they are 11 and 10. But yesterday was one of those productive Saturdays, you know? If you follow me on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. But here, if you don't, that's okay. Um, what happened yesterday is that I received the greatest Mother's Day gift I think a lot of mothers would agree on today that my whole family did housework. <laughs> Ladies, right? Am I right? It was better than flowers. It was better than a massage. But my whole family was doing housework. Caleb was working on the garage and cleaning up stuff. I was working on the car. The boys were pulling weeds in the front yard. And my little girl, Charlie, was inside in the air conditioning, <laughs> curled up in a blanket, watching worship. So, so spiritual of her and so lazy. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not calling. There is power and life in your tongue. I'm not calling my daughter lazy. <laughs> but it was really funny because the reason why she was sitting out from all the things that were taking place in my house and all the things that were making me happy, my kids, my husband working on the house, thanks guys, was that she had a little mosquito bite. There's mosquitoes now around this time at dusk, so be careful, but get your off on. Or dryer sheets, they say dryer sheets, rub them on you and that helps, didn't help me, but here's the thing. <laughs> Mommy and Charlie have the same phenomenon happen when we get mosquito bites. They, just a little bite that most of you would just have be a little, little bump on your skin, maybe looks like a really mild pimple. Well, mine looks like a pimple got big and exploded and in, created an infection around it that's like five times the size of the actual bite. And so he, she has, you can go ahead and talk to her. She has like a huge, like half of a baseball, it kind of looks like, on her foot, or on, wow, on her leg. And it is bothering her so badly, so she had to just sit it out because my jeans are rubbing it and it really hurts, is what she told me. And I said, what did I say as a good mother training up my child in the ways that she should go? Go ahead, just, just lay on the couch, girl. I got you, it's fine. But it's amazing how much a little thing, like a mosquito bite, can change your whole world. But let me tell you, your tongue has the same impact on your world and has a great impact on the world that you are creating in the relationships that you have. But the shaping of your heart is where I wanna start. Because a lot of words come and you might be saying, okay, I just need you better at saying nice things. And you're like, and then I'll be good. Well, no, that's just a behavior modification. You have to understand that God wants you to experience a transformation in your heart, and that will inform the words that you are speaking. Here's what it says in Matthew 15 and 11. It is not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Yowzers. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
In other words, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. There are so many people in this room who will say they mean one thing, but do another. And it's because what isn't lined up is your words and your heart. Oh, man. I think I told you guys this. There's so many ways that people are communicating. They're communicating aggressively. They're communicating passively. They're communicating passive aggressively. And what I want you to do is pause before you say anything because your words have impact. Your words have impact. And you need to understand that your heart is shaping your world because the words that are coming from your mouth are coming from your heart. How are my words shaping my relationships? I want you to ask this and really keep in mind that death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? So if death and life are in the power of the tongue, how are my words shaping my relationships? I need you to ask the question, do my words hurt or do they heal? Do they hurt or do they heal? Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you being wise with your words? Are you being wise with the words that you are sharing? You know, some people will say, oh, it's, you're speaking something out into the universe and then things happen. No, I think it starts. You have things going on in your heart, sometimes perhaps that are not healed. So when we speak words that are, that are coming from a heart that is unhealed, oftentimes we're hurting. We're not healing. Everyone's quiet. But I have, I have all your attention. I see you looking at me. Do my words hurt or heal? Next, do my words invest or waste? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. That's what Proverbs 12, 19 says. Are your words investing in others or you're wasting? Are your words a waste? How many people have been in conversations where you're just like, well, that was a waste of my time. And oftentimes when I am in conversations like that, I realize that, okay, I have an opportunity to start investing my words. And if I'm not gonna invest anything, I need to exit. Because I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that there are surface level conversations that turn into idle talk and they are producing nothing. And we have to understand, are our words investing or wasting? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. People who stay surface for a really long time, how many people know, I, I, this used to always happen when I worked in an office when I was just outside of call, out of college, and I remember there was so much small talk that would happen in the office, and people would be like, good morning, I'm doing good too. I'm like, what? what I respond the wrong way, right? Because you don't even realize what you're saying. Did anybody catch that? Somebody said, good morning to me. And I said, I'm good. Like that doesn't make sense because when we start just using words and wasting words, they have no impact. But I want my words to have impact. Who wants their words to have impact on this life? Who wants to invest in people? Not just be surface level momentary wasteful words. Next question, do my words save or ruin? Proverbs 13, three says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Man, how many of us have ruined things in our lives because we've opened our mouths and talked way too much and what, what we're being encouraged here is to guard our mouths. We are called as Christ followers, followers of Christ, you are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that you can help bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What are your words bringing? 
Is it bringing ruin or salvation? Do my words enrich or do they endanger? Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but, my, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. And remember, it's a glad heart. You're like, that's not the tongue. Everything that you say comes from your heart. But a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Are you enriching or are you endangering? You know, this brings me to a point that really, really came to me after therapy. How many people know therapy is very helpful? Okay, it's not, a, it's not a scary thing. It's a great thing. It's a great tool, especially if you are in line um, with your therapist and they are believers. It's, there's another level of trust that can come there. But one thing that I realized, and I know Caleb said this uh, last week, and I know not everybody was here, but um, he told me that he was really afraid. He told everybody in here, so it's okay, I'm not ratting out my husband, but he told everybody that he was kind of afraid to tell me in a, during a season that was a little bit difficult for us, he was afraid to tell me how much he resented me for a number of reasons. And, you know, I could hear that and be really defensive, or I can do what I did in the moment when he told me, man, I'm really resenting you, I could have been like, hey, maybe you shouldn't fear. Just talk to me, you know? But instead, he shared something, and I said, wow, thank you for sharing that with me. I feel closer to you as a result. But I don't fault him for being afraid because, like I told you last week, he had reasons to be afraid in the past. <laughs> maybe things were thrown. Maybe I was defensive. Maybe I would, like, deny anything that he was saying. Maybe I would be so hurt by the truth that I would deny it. I would be afraid to tell somebody that, too. And I, I think you need to understand that communication, whether our words or through listening, we have to create a safe place for people to land when they're sharing things with us. I recognize that. I don't know that some of my words in the past that came from a defensive heart that came from a haughty heart, that came from a, I know better than you, even though you're sharing these things with me, I know better. I think I have had a position and a posture in my heart that did not create, create a safe place for my husband to share something with me. You need to understand that the words that you say are either endangering or enriching your relationships. Can we be the type of people who are enriching and creating a safe place for people to share with us? Man, I think about how many people are hurt in this world, how many people have struggled in this world, and they come to Christians and they are met with guilt, shame, correction, and advice that wasn't asked for. Can we be the type of people who listen and share words that enrich rather than endanger? Next, do my words flourish or fail? Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. You know, when I read something like this, sometimes I'm thinking, well, the opposite of gentle is probably harsh, perverseness. But when I read the word perverseness, I think about how perverseness is when truth is distorted a little bit, either the truth is diminished and what is being spoken is not totally true and slightly distorted or it's embellished. Either way, perverseness breaks the spirit. When our tongue is sharing perverseness, I think that sounds a lot like not just perverted talk, but distortion of the truth, sarcasm. 
Sarcasm. I said that weird. Sarcasm. <laughs> I sounded like Siri on my phone. No, sometimes the words that we're sharing that are perverse are not true. And that's why God tells us we need to speak the truth and love. But if it's not true, if it's perverted, so I think we need to be careful with our tongue. Are we causing people to flourish or to fail? And finally, do my words unite or divide? Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. When I think about this whole idea of uniting and or dividing, I think about what words truly divide are words that are gossip. How many people have ever been hurt by gossip? How many people have ever gossiped? Listen, it's so quick how we can get there. It's, we could get there so quick. How many people know you're talking about um, a, a prayer request and the prayer request kind of gives, shares a little bit more information, divulges a little bit more personal information. Before you know it, you're telling somebody um, all of your frustrations with the person that you're asking prayer for. Woo. I think we have to be really careful of our tongue. And here's the thing. I was talking to a friend this week. And she said, you know, I used to think I was a really good communicator, but I actually just talk a lot. <laughs> I was like, dude, that is so good. Because when we talk a lot I, and we have no restraint over our tongue, it will turn, quickly turn into something that's idle and idle, sometimes hurtful. And hurtful oftentimes is gossip. And you have to understand that gossip divides. It does not unite. And you know, we've been having prayer rooms. I don't know if you've been a part of them, but Tuesday mornings um, at 6, uh, Wednesdays at noon, and Thursdays at 7 o'clock, we have prayer rooms. And what happens when we are praying for one another is that there's a unity that happens, and the Spirit of God speaks to all of us. And, and we understand that He's doing something in our midst. I want you to understand that if you are able to pray for somebody before you are able to talk to somebody, there's a unifying um, power that happens. But when we are talking without bringing things to the Lord first, then it quickly divides. I want you to understand that division, God hates. He hates the one who sows discord. Ow! Can I just tell you hates? He used the word hates. Everyone's so quiet. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Okay. <laughs> This is not specifically for you, but I want you to understand that excess is never necessary. The excess conversation that we have, or, or the, the conversations that we have to have because we are, we just need to let somebody know it's a cathartic experience. It's never helpful, and it never builds up your character. Can we please use words that are uniting, not dividing? Because here's the thing. You are shaping your world. You're shaping the generation after you. You're shaping the world within your relationships. But my next question for you today is, what direction are your worlds taking, excuse me, your words taking your relationships? When I think about what is happening in my heart and the intentions of my heart, I understand that because of my intentions, I am moving a certain direction. Your heart is always moving you in a certain direction, but there's this little thing in your mouth called your tongue that is actually steering you. You have to understand that you are always moving in a direction. Your life is always moving in the direction of your heart, but your words are steering it. And it's much like James 3, 3 through 5 talks about. 
And if you ever want to get really punched in the face by the word of God, (laughs) read James 3, 1 through 12, I believe. But it says this, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. You hear what it's saying? Just like the mosquito in Charlie's leg that has left her unproductive in the Cole household is so is our tongue like it is as a bridle to a, to a bit to a horse and a rudder to a huge ship. And you have to understand in these times they've seen chariot horses, chariots riding and racing and there's like fierce, fierce speed, fierce direction, fierce power But just because of the bit in the mouth, you can control the horse. If we are not putting a bridle on our tongues, our words are leading us to two different places I want to submit to you. Either one, isolation, or number two, echo chambers. I don't know about you, but if you hear somebody who's talking too much and talking mess about people, if you are not one who wants to participate in those gossip, gossiping conversations, don't you just kind of like steer clear of that person? Right? I'm just going to go ahead and put you in the boat of the person who's not gossiping. But <laughs> right, you just kind of steer clear of that person. Or the person who talks too much, you're just kind of like, hey, whoa, I'm going this way. Right? And I want you to understand, if we are not holding our tongues, if we cannot get control over our tongues, we are going to find ourselves isolated. And if you're not isolated, you may be finding yourself in an echo chamber because the words that you're saying, that you're looking for people to attach to you and say things that you want to hear back, somebody who's gonna stroke your ego and your thoughts and your intelligence and your opinions, and then you find yourself in an echo chamber where you're only hearing what other people are gonna commiserate with you on. That is a scary place to be. That is false unity. God wants to see every person, yellow, red, and black, and white, they are precious in us. Every single one of us, all different colors, all different economic backgrounds, all different um, personal backgrounds. He wants us all to come together in unity and not to unify on our opinions, but to unify on the fact that he made us all so different and all difficult walking these things, walking through this world in some difficult matters, but he can unify us because it's only by the power of God that there's true unity. But God wants you to hold your tongue or you're going to be finding yourself either isolated or in the echo chamber. I want to warn you today. You might be thinking, really, Mother's Day, Chrissy? Couldn't you have just told me that I'm, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made? I was put together in my mama's womb. That sounds like a great message. That would have been a great message. But listen, we're closing up the sermon series. And this series, we have to talk about conflict. And we have to understand that if we're going to continue to move forward, to be a, a church that is, the church that is actually producing good fruit, then we're gonna be using the right words. I felt like I was supposed to give a warning. Here's the warning in James 1, 26. And again, read James if you wanna get kicked in the face. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, if you don't control your tongue, you're deceiving your heart. This person's religion is worthless. 
Matthew 12, 33 through 37, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Yikes. Happy Mother's Day. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Ouchies. But if we are keeping our heart in the right posture, then we're good. Here's the thing. One of my pet peeves in my marriage is when Caleb and I are, he, he nodded because this is okay that I'm saying this. He said, whenever he's apologized or if I've apologized, he'll call me on it too. And I say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. We incriminate ourselves every time we <laughs> say that. Because two things are happening. We're not being honest with what's happening in our heart or we're not being held accountable to what's been, been going on in our heart. And so the words that we say are in fact in our hearts and maybe there's different motivations for it. But I want you to understand that we serve a good God who is so kind and he leads us to repentance. So we're not serving a God who's just saying, shape up. And say the right thing. I'm not even talking about curse words, okay? We didn't even go there. And I think some of y'all need to stop on the curse words. But, it, <laughs> but I think that we need to get to a place where we're allowing the things that are, we're saying to be held accountable for them. One day we will be held accountable for the words that we speak. It says here right away, it says, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Everyone will give account for every word that they speak. But God is giving us an opportunity as words come up. When there's conflict in our lives, do you ever feel like you're getting like stirred up inside? Come on, conflict, you get stirred up. And then you're like getting frustrated and you're getting more frustrated or you're getting more sad, you're getting more emotional and something comes out of your mouth, whether it's tearful words, whether it's hurtful words, whether it's shameful words. When you're stirred up in conflict, words come out and God is so gracious to say, I want to disciple your hearts and I'm allowing those things to come out of your mouth so that I can sift them away, not so that you can feel condemned about it, not so that you can be shamed for it, but because I want to allow those things to come out of your heart so you don't say them again. I was talking to that same friend who said that she was a really good communicator. And she was saying there was a conversation that she's had with her husband. And man, her husband and her have gone through um, quite the year of, of hardship, but then they've been reconciling and it's been a beautiful process. But she said the other day, she said something that she would have said when they were going through a really rocky time. And the words just came out and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And she was met by safety and forgiveness. And those, that's how God will meet you. When you do or say or behave the wrong way. But she recognized, instead of saying, I didn't mean to, she recognized that's an area that God still needs to work on in me. So some of us just have to be honest of where 
we are at. And some of us have to take a deep look into our hearts and where are we really? What is really in my heart? When I'm sarcastic about church, how do I really feel about God? When I'm sarcastic about a relationship, what, how do I really feel about that person? When I'm using careless words, what is actually happening in my heart? Hebrews 4, 12, it says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God. You know, there's so many of us who use so many different words that are outside of the word of God. And if we're not using the word of God, I think our words are leading people to death, but if we can use the word of God, it is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. That two-edged word in Hebrew is distomus, and it means it means a double mouth. So one of the sides of the sword is God's word, and how many people know God's word spoke this world and this universe into existence, right? So that's one, one mouth, but the double-edged sword, the second mouth is my mouth. How many people know the Word of God? It is powerful, right? It's full of so many truths. It's full of so much power. It is a weapon that we can wield against the enemy. But if it's sitting on my nightstand every single night, it has no power. If it's not sunk into my heart, if I'm not using words that are from the Word of God, then it doesn't have power. It's a two-edged sword because God is powerful. But the second mouth, the double-edged sword, the second side is your mouth. Are you speaking words of life or are you speaking words of death? But if we could just get the word of heart of God in our hearts, it'll disciple us. It'll make us gentle. It'll make us slow to speak, slow to anger, right? But we have to speak the word in order for it to be activated in power. And here's what it says. I want you to understand this because we're all in a war. We're all in conflict. We're in conflict with our loved ones. We're in conflict with this world. And we're also in conflict with the rulers and principalities of darkness. And we've got to get equipped with the right weapon, the word of God. Here's what David said when he went to battle against the Philistines in 1 Samuel 17, 44 through 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David said that the Philistines, you have all kinds of weapons. You got all kinds of posts, right? You got all kinds of weapons, but I have the name of the Lord. All he has are words. All he has is the word of God. But the word of God is more powerful than any weapon ever wielded against you, against your family, against your mind, against your, your schools, against your relationship with your children. God wants to fill you up with the word of God so that you are speaking life. You, are, you, need, you need to start speaking to the thing that looks dark and unformed, like, like the universe was dark and unformed until God said until God said, some of us have to look at our marriages and say, it is formless, it is without hope, but we need to speak life. We need to speak the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord Almighty over our marriages. You might be thinking that relationship with my child. Oh, I've lost them. Oh, they don't believe me. They don't trust me. Well, God wants you to speak the word of life over that child and say that no, no depression, no misbehaving, no whatever, but it's, you gotta speak the word of life into your children and into your situation. This isn't a name it and claim it, okay? It's not saying, okay, I need to be rich, so I'm gonna say I'm rich, right? That's not what it's about. There's always a price to pay. 
There's always a price to pay. And Jesus, the power of the word, the power of what he did was the biggest, greatest price he, that was ever paid. The price he paid was the price he paid on the cross. There's a price to the words that we say. And the power that we have is only power because of what Jesus did on the cross. Do you hear me? But let's start speaking life. Let's start speaking Jesus over our relationships, over our marriages, over our relationships with our kids, over our relationships with our coworkers, with our boss. Let's understand that God wants to use you to speak life and bring salvation to those who are far from him in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads in this place? I just want to give you an opportunity to speak life over yourself. And the words that you speak, I want to give you an opportunity to repeat after me in a prayer that says that, God, I'm going to give you my faith. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my heart. I don't want to walk in my own ways or in my own understanding any longer. I understand that I can't control my tongue. I can't control my behaviors. I've tried it all too, for far too long. I've tried in my own strength, but I need you, Lord, to help me, to inform me, inform my words, inform my heart, change my heart, and our hearts will only be changed when we have the right Lord over our hearts, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who will steady us, who will mold us, shape us into who he wants us to be. So if that's you in this place and you want to have a relationship with Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you've walked away from him and you want to come back to him, if that's you in this place and you want to have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand on the count of three. Just want you to think about it for a moment. What life do you want to live? What kind of world do you want to create in your relationships? You're shaping it by your words. And so the next words out of your mouth can be words that bring you life and life eternal. If that's you in this place and you wanna speak life over your life today, the saving words. If that's you in this room, I'm gonna count to three. Would you raise your hand? One, two, three. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else? Amen. There's a lot of hands that went up today. Would you, everybody in this room, repeat after me. You're speaking words of life right now. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. For bringing me here today. For bringing me. I accept you into my life. I believe that you died and rose again. You defeated death, hell, and the grave so that I might have life. So I speak these words of life over myself. I confess my sins. I confess my need of you. Make me new. Wash all the guilt and shame away. And give me the strength to live for you for the rest of my life. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. 
We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.